This morning I want to continue to talk about God's harvest laws. And I'm on harvest law number two, which is the law of identity. Last week we spoke, or the week before, last week we never got around to it. So I have to tell you, after having two weeks to prepare for a message, it's going to be hard for me to get this in in a half an hour. I'm telling you right now, uh, it's just too much time to give a pastor to prepare two weeks. It's way too much time. So. But I'll do my best, believe me. Last week we spoke about the first harvest law, which is the law of um, investment. This week we want to speak about the law of identity. And the law of investment basically says that we have to plant before we're going to harvest. You must invest in something before you're going to reap something. Today we're going to talk about the identity of what we sow and what we reap. You know, it's important that we recognize that, that God sets up things. He sets up laws. He sets up nature in its course to be followed. And it's a good thing. I mean, we want the sun to take the same path over the sky every day, don't we? We want gravity to be in effect all the time, don't we? I mean, if we just had a second of, <laughs> Rick says no, if we just had a second of gravity to end, I mean, just a blip, I mean, do you know what chaos it would create if gravity just decided to not work for a second? Yeah, it would just throw nature off course. God has set up certain things and certain boundaries. And here's the important part for us is that we must understand that the boundaries that he sets up are always for our good, never for our demise, never to hurt us. God, what God puts in place, it's always for our benefit. But yet sometimes we just struggle with that, don't we? The law of investment says you reap only if you sow. Basically, nothing but nothing, nothing plus nothing equals nothing. It basically said if you want to pick a tomato off a tomato plant, you must first plant the tomato plant. Or if you're expecting to eat, you must work. That's also a biblical uh, principle as well. And we, we talked about a story. I, I want to re- go back to the story that kind of is the premise for all of the four laws that we're going to be talking about. And, and it's a story about a desert traveler. And for those that were here a couple of weeks ago, I read it then. But I want to read it again because I think this word picture helps us see a little bit of what investment and what harvest and what reaping and sowing is all about. So let me read this little story. It goes like this. A thirsty man crossing the desert stumbled upon a well with an old-fashioned hand-operated pump. Hanging on the pump handle was a small jar of water with a crude sign, pour this water into the pump and it'll give you all the water you need. Then leave the jar full of water so the next traveler can prime the pump. The man was so thirsty that he was tempted to gulp down the water and ignore the sign. Finally, he decided to pour the water into the pump handle. Sure enough, after a few minutes, the water expanded the seal in the pump handle and he began to pump up an ample supply of clear, cold water. He went away with his thirst quenched, his canteen filled, and the jar also filled ready for the next traveler. Being a faithful steward is something like priming the pump. When we take our eyes off ourselves and our short-term needs and think long-term about the needs of others, we are inevitably, inevitably blessed in the process. So did you hear that little story 
Okay, the traveler. Now, we're, we, I think we can all associate with this person. I think we can all associate with being thirsty and the amount of faith that it must have taken to dump out what you have in front of you that would quench your thirst to dump it down a hole. How much faith that must have taken that traveler to, to take what he so badly needed, so badly wanted, and to waste it. There was a risk there, wasn't there? But yet, he read the sign. It's like, yes, us reading God's word and having faith in the written word that we're willing to waste our life based upon what the word says. See, if he would not have trusted the sign and simply drank the water that was in the jar, the supply of water would have stopped and he would not have had any more. Basically, that seal never would have been wetted. It never would have swelled. He would have pumped and pumped and pumped and pumped. Nothing would have come out. He would have drank his supply, and it would have been over. He had to invest the little that he had in his hand so that he would have more in the future, both for himself. And then by filling the jar, he would provide for the future, for the next traveler that was going to come along his way. And also that that family, that person would have to trust the sign as well. See, the law of identity says that by sowing water, he is going to reap what? What's he going to reap if he sows water? Water. By sowing water, he's not going to reap oil. He's not going to reap soda. He's going to reap water. Right? And none, 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 Here's another way to look at the law of identity. Uh, let's say that Assuming that it's in your power to accomplish, here's another way to look at it. Think backwards. Think backwards. Think of what you want the outcome to be in your life and then going about doing what would make it happen, assuming that it was in your power to do. We'll come back to that a little bit later, but think backwards. So the four harvest laws, law of investment, law of identity, law of increase, Law of interval. All right, so again, today we're on the law of identity. You reap what you sow in like kind of what you sow. Let's go back to our farmer friend um, a week or two we talked about. Here's a farmer. The law of investment, number one, says, the first law of investment says that before the farmer can harvest, he must have previously planted. Now, the law number two says this, the law of identity, and you have your sheet there. You can fill in the blanks. The law of identity says that if he wants to pick corn in the fall, he must have planted corn seeds in the spring. It would be silly to plant carrot seeds and expect to harvest corn. It just doesn't work that way. Corn makes corn. So the law of identity says you reap in like kind what you sow. Now, these laws are pretty simple to grasp. Okay, the law of investment, you have to plant before you reap. You have to plant a corn seed to get a corn crop. Pretty simple, pretty basic principles. But yet, I find them pretty hard sometimes to put in practice. I, put, I find them, I struggle sometimes in my own life putting them in practice. Do you? Do you ever, do you ever struggle with something that's so obvious and so simple like giving of yourself? of your money, of your time. See, and I think that we're not the only ones that have struggled with this. I, I think Paul 
dealt with people that struggled with it as well. He wrote the book of Galatians to the church there. And in chapter 6, he says this, verse 7 and 8, he says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Pretty stern answer here. Paul is not beating around the bush. He's basically saying, you sow to the flesh, you're going to die. You sow to the Spirit, you're going to live. Obviously, there was a mentality going on there that, that people had a lifestyle issue thinking that I could live any way I want to live, not have to be concerned that it pleases God or not pleases God, and at the end of the day, I'm going to be pleasing to the Lord. And Paul is saying, guys, it doesn't work that way. Don't you understand? Don't you understand that, that you are not your own? You were bought at a price. And if you're going to be pleasing to the Lord, you must live in a lifestyle. You must make consistent choices that are consistent with what you're going to reap if you're going to sow that. So Paul is very clear. And, and God clearly is not one to be mocked. I mean, think about this. Um, why would God ever be willing to be mocked by mere mortals? Last week or two weeks ago, we talked about the passage in Malachi chapter 3 on the tithing principle. And it says there how we rob God. And you see, when God sees that he's being mocked, can I just give you a little bit of warning? Run. <laughs> if you're mocking God, then run as quickly as you can to the cross and ask for forgiveness. You're never going to run away from God, just so you know that. You're never going to outrun God's hand. If you're mocking him with a lifestyle that isn't pleasing to him, then run to the cross. And fall on your face and say, Dear Jesus, I am so sorry. Malachi 3.8 says, Will a mere mortal rob God? <laughs> I mean, he's kind of slapping us, isn't he? Kind of slapping us right across the face. And he says, You think you're so big. You're just a mere mortal man. And yet you're going to rob God? You know, God just doesn't play games with us when we're talking about robbing him or mocking him or making him look silly. We don't have the right to make God a fool. And when we do, watch out. And see, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It doesn't mean that God is a mean God. He's not waiting with a hammer to hit anybody. He loves us. We talked about it. We sang about it today. Oh, how God loves us and, and how great he is and how good he is and, and how he thinks we're good and we're great as we have Christ in our life. But, but what I'm trying to say here is that it's absolutely important and paramount that we understand how to reverence God and how to understand this principle of identity when it comes to what we sow and what we reap. See, when we see Scripture, as you look at Scripture, and in a few minutes we're going to go through a number of them, here's what you're going to find out. That as we sow in the Spirit, we will 
always, underline this word in your mind, always reap life, fullness, and abundance of God's blessing. When you sow to the Spirit, you will always reap God's blessing, life, and abundance. As we sow to the flesh or our own selfish and sinful nature, you will always, again, underline the word always, reap death, destruction, and you will never have God's blessing. I mean, that's the law of identity in its simplest form. Larry, I have a PowerPoint, and I have a number of scriptures that I want to just, we're going to go through this as fast as we can, but this is on your handout, and you can flip your page over, and you can see all the things here. And we're not going to go into detail here in every one of them because we'd be here forever, but I give you this information so that you can go judge the Word. You go home and study this for yourself, okay? You take these, you take the time, and, and as I had the Sunday school class with the kids this morning, I have given them homework as well into their fundamental beliefs. It's important that we take out of Sunday and go home and study it on Monday through Saturday. You just can't sit and grasp enough on Sunday morning and think you have it. You have to study. Can I just say that? If you're going to reap intelligence, you have to study. You have to read God's Word. Let's go through a couple of them. Galatians chapter 5, 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All right? Now, as I read this, I want you to help me. What are we sowing to? Okay? As I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So basically here, I'm sowing to life in the Spirit. And then I reap from being free from the sinful nature because I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5:19 through 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious, and it gives a list of them. Sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, all of these things, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. In other words, if this didn't cover it, and the like. Because maybe you don't have orgies. But, but you probably have fits of selfishness. All right? You have these other things that would cover into here. So, so what, what are we sowing here? In this particular case, we are sowing here acts of sinful nature. And then according to the Scripture, it says that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So as you're sowing this way, this lifestyle, what you will not get is the kingdom of heaven. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 8. I already read this one. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, the Spirit will reap eternal life. So in one case here, we're sowing to the flesh. And from the flesh we will reap death and destruction. And then the other area here, we're sowing to the Spirit, and from the Spirit we will receive eternal life. You reap what you sow. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. All right? What are we sowing to? We're sowing to obedience, obeying the decrees, and fearing the Lord. 
And when I sow to that, I will reap godly prosperity and safety. Psalm 37, verse 18. Day by day the Lord observes the good deeds done by godly men and gives them eternal rewards. What am I sowing to? Doing good deeds. And I'm reaping eternal rewards. Are you starting to get the drift? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm sowing in here fear of the Lord, and I'm reaping knowledge and wisdom. Proverbs 9, 12. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. I'm sowing wisdom in verse, in verse 12, and I will be rewarded. And if I'm mocking, rejecting wisdom, I am sowing suffering. See, I, I'm so taken back by the concept that we have in our society today that we think that, that God doesn't really care about what I do. I can, I'm living in an age of grace. I can live the lifestyle I want to live, and I still have this false doctrine, this false line of thinking that God is still going to bless me when I'm not living properly. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from God's Word. It must come from a false religion. It must come from an earthly wisdom. But Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What kind of wisdom are we talking about? Heavenly wisdom. We're talking about spiritual wisdom. There's two different kinds of wisdom. There is the heavenly wisdom that comes from God, which is the wisdom that brings knowledge and life. And then there's the worldly wisdom that comes from the Satan that brings destruction and death. Proverbs 1, 28-33 says, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Wow. The complacency of fools. Are you complacent? Is there any complacency in our lives today? Do you get so much of God to think I have enough and I can sit back and just enjoy? There's a story about a farmer in the, in the, the parable that was given about a farmer that had a lot of crops. And he had so many crops he had to build a bigger barn to store his crops, thinking that's not a bad thing to do. But obviously God weighed the heart and saw in this man that his motivation was not to serve other people but just to gain for himself. And so his complacency for, toward the future required the man's life that very night. Complacency of fools yields destruction, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. It goes on, Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God, seeking first God's kingdom, and he will then provide us all of our needs. For it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given as well. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and 27. This is one that, this is one that really, I, I think we just overlook this one, because this one is so hard. But it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, if we deliberately, listen to the words very carefully, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, 
No sacrifice for sins is left. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. See, deliberately keeping on sinning here does not mean that we're living a life, trying our best to live a holy life and we happen to slip. Okay? I'm not talking about that. Because we all live that life that way. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the man that deliberately keeps on sinning when he knows it's wrong for him to be doing that. When he thinks, when he has this mentality to think that I'm going to keep on sinning, I know it's wrong, but you know, I'm just going to sin and then I'm going to ask Jesus to forgive me later because God forgives. Do you think that's making a fool of God? Do you think that's mocking God at all? So here we have a situation where I'm not talking about you and I that are loving Jesus and doing the best that we can and, and oh, we happen to say something, we slip, we fall, we do something. This is where we run back to the cross. As soon as you know you've done something, this is where you run back to the cross and ask for forgiveness and he will be faithful to forgive. But this is talking about the man that just has a, as a lifestyle of, of throwing it up in God's face and saying, God, I, I, I hear what you say, but I don't believe it. I don't care. I'm going to reap. I'm going to sow what I want. And then I'm just going to believe that you're such a good God that you're going to forgive me later. Well, you can live like that if you want to. But uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. I see enough wisdom in that not to do that. There are... Many other examples that we don't have time to go into today. Let me just say that, that if I want to have God's blessing in the truest sense, and that's just not money or a bigger house or a new car, but I'm talking about God's blessing, eternal blessings, then we need to sow things that will allow us to get there. Um, Albert Einstein gave us a definition that I think in some ways... He got it. I'm not so sure about his spiritual life, but he got this particular point. He said, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. And in some ways, that's like I want to sow a carrot seed and I want to reap corn. If I just keep doing it enough, if I just keep planting that carrot, eventually it's going to turn into corn. Well, here's the thing. It never will turn into corn. A life of sin, a life of inconsistency, a life not following Christ, a life of sowing to the flesh will never equate into spiritual life. So quit trying to beat that bush. Let's just understand that and let's just move on and let's just not, not try to make something that's not going to happen happen. That's insanity. Let's not go there. So let's look at life from a little different angle. What do you want your life to be like? Do you want eternal life? Do you want a life full of peace, joy, love, satisfaction, spiritual growth, harmony, financial success? Do you want that? Or are you okay with death and destruction? Are you okay with a life full of discord and, and unhappiness and strife and jealousy? spiritual setbacks, and so forth. Here it is. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. What do you want to sow, and what do you want to reap? Proverbs 14 and 16, it says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Here it is. 
If you're doing anything that you have to justify in your mind, examine it. If you're doing anything that you have to justify to say, oh, it's really not that bad, or I don't, if you have to twist it in your mind at all, then I would ask you, what are you sowing? The Bible says don't even have a hint of immorality. Don't even have an appearance of immorality. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. I think we'd be wise, very clearly, that we would be wise if we looked at the end result of our life and started to work backwards and say, Lord, Lord, I want to be a faithful steward. I want to be a man that's going to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful. So now, Lord, what do I have to do to hear that? What do I have to do in my life to be that kind of a person? I love this passage in Psalms because this is a great example of how we can read a passage backwards and get what we want out of it. Psalms 37, verses 3 and 4 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, there's a couple ways to look at this verse. I can take a look at this verse to say, God, I want a pink Cadillac, even though I hate pink Cadillacs. <laughs> I want that. So, God, I'm going to do what i got to do to get that pink Cadillac. And so I'm going to trust in the Lord and do good. I'm going to dwell on the land and enjoy safe passion. I'm going to take delight in the Lord. And, and because I do that, God, you're going to give me the desire of my heart, which is a pink Cadillac. Well, I, I don't see that I can read that scripture that way. I, I don't see that I can just flippantly put God as my genie to give me what I want like that. And it's not to say God's against Cadillacs or even pink ones. But he will answer my prayer, and he may say no, he may say wait, or he may say, here, you can have it. Here's the way I would rather look at the scripture that I think makes more sense, that the way I'm going to choose to look at the scripture. I'm going to choose to look at it backwards. I'm going to say, Lord, give me the desire of my heart. Give me the desire that you want for my heart. Give me the desire that would make me pleasing to you, okay? Give me the desire that I can live with that you're going to look and say, good job, Mike. That's the desire that I want. So, God, give me the desire of my heart so that I can take delight in the Lord and so that I can dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture and so that I can trust in the Lord and do good. Because you've given me the desire now that when we come together in unity, my desire and your purpose, my desire and your capability, my desire and your will, my desire and your wanting to give me all that you have for me, my desire lines up with your will, and therefore I can take the light in the Lord. I can dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. I can trust in the Lord and do good. That is the proper way of looking at reaping and sowing in identity because I'm sowing and reaping in the identity of God's will in my life. And when I sow that way, I will reap that way. 
That's a much wiser approach to live a life of, of godly success. So as we wrap this up today, we have a choice to sow what we want to reap. It's up to you to, to decide this morning of what spirit you will sow, that of the flesh or sinful spirit that brings all forms of discord, or you can sow in the Holy Spirit that brings the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What are you sowing to this morning? Have you ever thought about it? What do you want to do? See, if you want, to, if you want peace in your life, then be a peaceful person. Look for ways to bring peace to a situation, to a stressful area. Rather than be a troublemaker, rather than try to cause strife, gain and strive for peace. Do you want to be loved? Then plant seeds of love. Go the extra mile. Go out of your way to be helpful and love people. Do you want financial success? Then sow the seeds of financial success. Are you, are you faithfully tithing? Are you faithfully giving of yourself to the Lord? Are you faithfully um, putting God first in all areas of your life? If you want financial fruit, then you must plant financial seeds. Do you want eternal rewards? Then keep a long-term perspective on success in this world and understand that success in this world isn't always measured the way man measures success. 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verses 16 and 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So this morning... I want to leave you with a challenge as to the identity of the seeds that you're sowing. Do you know? Do you know? Are, are you cognizant? Are you aware of the seeds you're sowing and what you're going to result or reap as a result? If you think that you can sow anything you want and then have the mindset and the philosophy that God is going to bless that, I would ask you to go back and re-examine your life. I would ask you to go back and, and dig into God's Word and truly understand what it is you're trying to get and then how are you living your life to get there. A simple concept, isn't it? But yet, I know, I know how tough sometimes it can be. And here's the passage that I think pretty much wraps up this whole message today when it comes to sowing and reaping. If you look at the end of your life, this is what I want to hear in Matthew chapter 25. I want to hear my master say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. How are we going to get that? How are you going to get it? Is your life living up to that today? If, if you were to go today, right now, if you were to meet Jesus face to face, would he say, well done? 
not well thought, not well intentioned. No, well done. You actually did something. You actually did what the Lord asked you to do. That's a kind of a sobering question, isn't it? So this morning, as we are planting seeds, because I think this line of teaching right now is so absolutely perfect as to where the Lord is. Thanks, Jackie. Absolutely perfect for what the Lord has been saying to us over the past few weeks about how we are moving into a time of sowing. I don't know if you were here last Sunday. Last Sunday was an amazing service. It was one of those breakthrough services. And, and we talked about a, a dream that the Lord had, had given me about a mound of dirt in our sanctuary. And, and that dirt equated to a fertile soil. And how it's time now to start planting seeds into this fertile soil. So it is, a, it is not in coincidence that the Lord has placed this line of teaching now in us so that what kind of seeds are we planting in this fertile soil? Because we can plant weeds, and the weeds will grow. In fact, we know how good weeds grow. Or we can plant spiritual fruit in this fertile soil. My challenge for all of us this morning is that will you help me? Will you come alongside me today? And will you plant spiritual seeds of godliness and holiness and righteousness Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We will not want anything if we are seeking God first. Amen. Would you close your eyes with me? Dear Jesus, Lord, as we are examining our life, even as we speak, God, I pray that you would help us understand the types of seeds that we're sowing. Lord, life can be confusing sometimes. We can be um, a little mixed up. We could think some certain things about, well, we're doing good. But yet we've been reminded that there's a way that seems right. But it doesn't lead to life. In other words, it leads to death. If I have to justify anything in my life, if I have to go down the path to say, oh God, but it's not as bad as Joe, or I'm doing something more than this guy or this girl, or I'm putting money in the offering, but yet I still have this hidden area in my life that I'm trying to protect. God, would you help us? Would you search our heart, oh God? Would you know us? Would you test us? Would you bring it out to us, God, that we can judge ourselves, that we can judge the fruit? God, that we would be sure that we're planting seeds of righteousness, seeds that would bring eternal life. God, that we want to reap eternal life. We want to reap the things that are pleasing to you. So, God, as we examine our own garden right now, This morning, as you're sitting in your seat right now, if, if your all eyes are closed, if, if you're struggling in some areas that are secret, you don't have to tell me what they are, but I would ask you to tell the Lord that you are struggling and by lifting a hand to him that you'll admit the fact that, Lord, I need help. I see the hands. I see those hands. That's good. It's honesty. It's integrity. It's authenticity. Don't try to hide from God. Don't make God. Don't mock God. He knows. He knows, and he, all he wants to do is help. Amen. Father, 
you've seen the hands that have been raised here, including my own. God, that I need you to constantly be in my life. I need you to constantly be a quality inspector of the seeds that I plant. God, that I would never justify myself before you or any man. But God, that I would just say, would you just give me purity? Would you give me righteousness? Would you give me holiness in my life, God? And would you forgive me for the times that I slip, the times that I fail? God, would you help me to know which seed to pluck out, that I wouldn't let it go to fruition, that I wouldn't let it germinate, I wouldn't let it take root in my life, God, that I would pluck out that seed of discontent, that I would pluck out those seeds of sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for doing the work. Father, I can just sense it already. I can see in my mind's eye the gardener going through the garden right now, just planting, plucking, planting, weeding, putting in the good seed, taking out the bad seed. God, would you adjust our mentality? Would you adjust our perspectives? Give us a long-term approach, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? And as our benediction, let's just uh, sing a song that Jackie's playing. And if you want to pray after the fact, you're more than welcome. I'll stay here for a few minutes and we'll pray. Amen. Let's just bless the Lord. No matter how small my may be, I'm giving you all there is to me. just go with us today now, Lord. I pray that we're not like that typical person that would plant all week long and then comes Sunday morning, he prays for crop failure. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would just allow us to plant the seeds that are you're pleased with today. Lord, let us just be pleasing in your sight. Go with us this week, Father. Encourage us. Give us faith. Increase our faith. Lord, thank you for your mercies and your grace. Thank you for thinking so highly of us. Thank you for lifting us up, God, as we've lifted you up, Jesus. We give you glory this today for this week, and we ask you to be glorified. We declare it to be done in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. Be blessed this week as you go. No matter how small my old may be, I'm giving it.